Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. On episode 66 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, myself, Adam, Henry, Lou, and Aaron sit down to talk all of West Ham's latest news, including the behind-closed-doors friendly with Queen's Park Rangers and the latest on the Jeremy Ngakia saga. We also finish out the episode answering some Hammers polls questions. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. Welcome to the Green Street Hammers podcast. We are back for episode 66, uh, one week before Premier League football returns. Uh, myself, Adam, is here at the helm, and with me are some uh, exceptional members of the Green Street Hammers staff. We have Henry down in Brighton. Henry, how is it going? Yeah, it's good. Um, had some positive news about lockdown slowly being eased out, so people can sort of go to other people's houses if they're living alone and don't have to buy by social distancing so that's good news and west ham won today which has <laughs> seemed like forever since we've been able to say that so things are good things are good yeah i'm happy to hear that uh regular life is actually getting back on track there uh aaron you're with us from ottawa how's it going out there today i'm doing well uh obviously west ham won today which is excellent and i'm uh yeah, lockdown starting to uh, here in Ontario, as you all know, are starting to ease off on a few things. I think patios are going to be opening up this weekend, and amongst other things. And yeah, I'm just getting getting excited to uh, resume the season. I feel like we got a nine victories in us, so uh, yeah, doing well. Thanks. <laughs> and for for context, for any uh, any any listeners in England or abroad, uh, patio culture for West or for Canada is essentially like pub culture for England. So. It's very important in the summertime with the patios. Uh, and last but not least, we have Lou. Lou, you're up in Manchester. Uh, sorry, Liverpool. Uh, how are things going for you? Are you uh, are you excited that the Hammers are coming back into action soon? Yeah, I am. Uh, finally, I was I was I was fairly enjoying the time off uh, from West Ham, but now the fixtures are released. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm ready to go. I've been I've been quite absent from kind of like football news and stuff in general recently but as I say now now we're raring to go I, I'm kind of raring to go myself yes uh, I think we're all excited and raring to go especially with like there was officially as uh, as Henry you brought up there was officially a closed uh, door match today which is we can just start calling those regular matches uh, between West Ham and, and Queen's Park Rangers uh, a lot of uh, players that were supposedly getting runouts on the bench. I know we saw images of Jack Wilshere, Albion Ajedi. I saw Ryan Fredericks as well, all back and uh, getting into the fold. And as well, we did see a really 
intense picture of Declan Rice and uh, our main man Jordan Hugel, except he was wearing the QPR jersey as his loan was extended today. Um, so West Ham were actually back in action there, and the club did win 4-1. Uh, Henry, what, what's your biggest takeaway from a, a 4-1 win behind closed doors against Crystal, uh, I keep saying Crystal Palace, QPR uh, for West Ham right now? I think it's a good confidence builder going into, well, the next friendly game, but definitely before the season restarts. It's definitely good to get some goals, get the win. Uh, it's definitely positive for the players because usually we struggle, I think, during preseason and the start of the season, especially with goals. Like you watch other teams' preseasons and they're beating teams like four or five nil. And you always put down to your oh, arts. So preseason doesn't matter, but it would be nice if we did it. So I feel like by the fact we put four goals past QPR shows that the attack's clicking well to, in order to do it. Um, so it's definitely good that we've put some goals away, won the game. Bit concerned that we conceded, but if we're scoring four goals, then that's less of an issue. But it's yeah. definitely good to have had Haller got on the score sheet, so he's up and firing before the season restarts. As of recording, he's the only name we have that got on the score sheet, and there was confirmation that Hugel did not score the only goal against West Ham, which is another massive positive to take out of this. Uh, Aaron, I want to come to you next. Do you have any takeaways from this? Is there anything, win or loss, that's that's just positive for West Ham getting out there on the pitch against QPR? Yeah, I think it's just, I mean, I can't really underestimate the, the good feelings that come with a 4-1 win, whether it's a team from below you, whether it's behind closed doors friendly, like just builds, I think, good momentum, good feelings. Like seeing Haller get on the score sheet's obviously a great thing. I think he, we all can agree that he's somebody that's going to have to really get off the ground running to uh, for us to be successful and also for, you know, maybe to get some of the fans off his back and, Jack Wilshire was out there and he we haven't heard any news of uh, any potential injuries so I mean if he could come back and play some sort of role down the stretch I mean he's probably one of the most experienced players at the club so I, mean, I think that could be uh, a big impact as well. Absolutely and Lou do you have anything to add here I mean the one thing I want to say is basically that there's, there was no injuries reported from this match so that's a, a big positive but is there any other takeaways I mean it was a friendly it was a closed door match and it was against a lower league team but Arsenal lost 3-2 to Brentford today, so things could be going a lot more sideways than they than they did in this match. Yeah, I think just in general, the match fitness. Um, obviously, we've had a long time off. I know we've been training for a while now, but this is the closest thing we're going to get uh, in terms of just to match a competitive game uh, like Wolves next Friday. So, uh, to play against different teams rather than you know, training with our own players. Uh, it's it's a it's a good experience, and it should get us uh, ready and steady for, as I say, the match next week. Yeah, and uh, do we? I think there's another uh, friendly scheduled, and West Ham have an extremely. Uh, you know, knock on what I want to jinx it. We have an extremely big uh, squad list right now. Um, but do you guys have you guys heard anything? I think I heard it was against Crystal Palace, possibly. But do you guys have anything on that? Has anyone heard anything on that? I believe it's Crystal Palace. Um, I, I heard we might have also been Arsenal, but I think it's more likely going to be Palace. Yeah. So Talksport reported on June fourth that West Ham wanted friendlies against Arsenal and Palace, and then this came. 
this match came out of kind of the, the woodwork, but uh, yeah, I, I think Arsenal Crystal Palace hopes to send it for June 17th restart. It doesn't seem like uh, there's any 100% confirmation, so who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll get to that when we do, and, and we will have another episode in between now and the Premier League restart, so there should be a, at least a little bit of uh, ground covered there. Uh, as far as the restart is concerned, it seems West Ham will be without an actual starting player in this in this uh, compressed season and moving forward into July and then into the future as Jeremy Ngakia has refused to sign a contract and has all but confirmed uh, his departure from the club at the end of June. Uh, a couple notes to just jump on here is basically uh, that he has declined staying with West Ham on an extension of his current deal, which is fine. He's also uh, since refused to sign a new contract which there's been negotiations on either side with uh, and as it stands right now he has informed the club he is not going to re-sign with them so uh, I'll, we'll start reverse order here Lou I want to get your thoughts on this uh, just in general your thoughts on Ngakia on his rise to quote-unquote stardom after four matches and is he making the right decision do you think West Ham will be fine without him what are your thoughts on this entire situation as it's playing out here I mean I'm not entirely clued up on the overall situation but from what I've seen it seems to be more of an agent more of an agent job than uh, his decision specifically but uh, it's a difficult one because you can look at it both ways you can look at obviously he has only played four games so should West Ham take a risk and offer him a you know a resoxford type deal after such a short amount of time. But then again, he'll be looking at players like Carlos Sanchez and so on and so forth on 80000 a week and thinking, maybe he's not thinking he deserves 80000 a week, but certainly, uh, you know, a bigger contract than he's been offered. Uh, so, yeah, it's disappointing that he's, he, well, he looks to be leaving. And because uh, I thought we... I thought we were on to a winner with him, but hopefully Ben Johnson uh, can get over his injury problems and prove that, you know, prove everyone right in saying he was the initial, the initial golden prospect at right back anyway. Yeah, he was. He's certainly been heralded, and it's been reported that the as the better prospect, uh, in, as far as the West Ham hierarchy is concerned. Um, I also thought it was interesting that David Moyes spoke out about this, uh, and Henry, you wrote the article on it, so we'll come to you next here. But um, I, just interesting that Moyes had a comment, whether he was pushed into that comment or he, you know, made it on his own volition, or it's a last minute you know negotiation tactic here because he brought up that he gave Wayne Rooney his Premier League start Jordan Pickford uh Ross Barkley and that he's a he's a manager who likes to bring the grassroots into the the first team so it's it's interesting to see that he had a comment on it all but but what are your thoughts on the entire situation are you disappointed and do you think West Ham will be at a disadvantage without him um I'm disappointed by the whole situation I think partly from the club not tying down the contract earlier before, say, he got the experience and had the potential to be the first teamer and that was, like, sort of realised. Um, but also, definitely in the Gakia, I mean, I, I struggle to understand why at this time you'd reject a contract at a football club that's given you a chance. You've basically got a clear run at being 
a first team player for the next however long he wanted really because if he had solidified his place in the team we could have moved on Fredericks he could have alternated with Ben Johnson and really built his career there whereas now he's going to have to find a new club which I'm sure is probably one of the things that's led to him rejecting the contract as he probably has another club already but he'll basically be starting from the ground floor again which he wouldn't have been doing at West Ham I mean I understand him a bit thinking he should be given a better contract as Declan just basically had a new contract worth however much it was to reflect his position in the team and he's probably thought well I'm the most important right back at the moment I should be put on a similar term but Declan Rice had put up with being on a low 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 contract for almost a year and a half or so until he was rewarded with that contract and look how far he's come in that time he's now an England international and I feel everyone sort of would have liked Jeremy Ngakia to follow that mindset I mean, if the offer was only the £5,000 a week, that's still nothing to be to shrug at. I know in the footballing world, it's not a lot, but in terms of the world where everyone is furloughed and earning less of their wages, it's infinite almost in, for, um, to be conceived by us. Um, I mean, I've, the way I see it now is move on, let him leave. He can go to whichever club has tapped him up or wherever it's going to be and replace him with a top-quality right-back that is better than him. And I think, Adam, you already know who I think that should be, and that is Matty Cash. So, yeah, I think replace and get someone better, which I think we're more than entitled to do, really. Completely fair, and I think you're justified in saying, you know, if the better option is there, it may suck to move on from Ngakia. Mentally as well, it kind of leaves a stain for the academy of football, but, you know, if you can get someone of Cash's quality in... It makes that pill a lot easier to swallow. Aaron, I want you to close us out here on your thoughts on Jeremy Ngakia. I feel like everyone sort of had a, a pretty stiff opinion on it, but in my eyes, if if he wanted to stay with the club, he would have told his agent, I want to stay at West Ham, try and get me the best deal possible. And I highly doubt hostile nego- negotiation tactics would be the the method of doing that. So, you know, it probably would have been, you know, calling into radio stations, what like players do sometimes, or his agent would do and say, you know, Jeremy loves it there. We're just looking for fair and reasonable wages for a Premier League starter, putting pressure on the club in that sense. But instead it, it's all gone sour here. Uh, do you think he's had his head turned by another club? And, and do you think that Ryan Fredericks, Pablo Zabaleta, who was confirmed as getting an extension and Ben Johnson are fine enough to shore West Ham, at least until the summer? I think I'm disappointed in both sides uh, of this negotiation. I think, first off, I think the club, like, you know, they have the reputation of the academy of football and these players, you you build them up for so long, you spend so much time trying to develop them for the first team. And then to kind of haggle over a few thousand dollars, I think I've read that he wanted around eight, they offered five. I can understand, I mean, everyone refers to Reese Oxford, but if you're going to continue to have your, you know, deciding whether you're going to sign youth players based on one player that happened four years ago instead of the individual player itself. then I think that could be a flawed kind of methodology. As for him, I, I think Henry put it well. They're like, I don't don't know where he's going to find a better situation. I think he had a great opportunity here. And he's, I mean, he might go on to be a brilliant player elsewhere, but I think this might have been his best, uh, best situation for him at this time. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of pretty much my uh, my thoughts on the matter. And I think yeah, I, we're all justified and fair here. And until the tell-all comes out, we're all 
going to be guessing on it. The way it kind of shakes out for me and the thought I have on it is if West Ham are going to disrupt their wage structure for academy players, one they didn't have to disrupt for Declan Rice coming through the system at such a rapid pace that he did, it's not. It shouldn't be over a player like Jeremy Ngakia. There was already thoughts that he didn't have the mental fortitude to be a Premier League player prior to him coming up in an emergency situation. He was never going to pass Ben Johnson if Johnson was fit. And I, like as I mentioned, I don't think you want to disrupt what Moyes and the club are probably trying to do, which is get everything in order as far as wages are concerned. Instead of spending big domestically on a player uh, to come in and, and you know kickstart the offense with high wages, they bought a young English player in Jared Bowen who has reasonably lower wages than someone like Hilaire, for instance, or Yarmolenko, who they had to pay through the nose for and continue to weekly. So as far as Ngaki is concerned, Western were trying to get their, their books under control here, which is, you know, as per usual, very penny pinching of them. But also, as you guys all mentioned, during the, the shutdown and the revenue loss and everything that's going on, Premier League clubs are affected by that too. And and for West Ham, it would be good to sort of get everything set up in a strong structure and reward players as they earn those contracts. My point all along has been if Ngakia could find a middle ground on a one-year deal and basically bet on himself to be that 20k a week player for the next season or two and then bet on himself again, that would be my way of doing it and, and earning it. But at the same stroke, you know, people know their value. And, and if he's going to get that somewhere else, then have at it. I don't know where he'll go. Maybe like a Watford or something like that. But who knows, really? I don't think he's a star. I would rather have the prospect of Ben Johnson over the starter that Ngaki has been. I think he's been sheltered by a team that's been on strong form. But I do also think he could turn out to be that talented player. I just don't know at this stage um but we will put a hiatus on everything right now for one moment and when we come back we're going to start answering a few hammers polls questions for west ham fans everywhere this is the ultimate football app for you for match highlights interviews and the best west ham videos and podcasts download the free coy irons app now from the app store and google play we are back for part two of the episode here, and we're jumping into some Hammers Polls questions at Hammers Polls. Uh, and I wanted to start with a question close to one of our contributors' hearts here, and that is the question, would you start Robert Snodgrass against Wolves? Aaron, I'm talking about you. You wrote an article this week with a very appropriately named title that says, as per usual, Robert Snodgrass is an afterthought. Uh, and I want to get your breakdown. Does he start against Wolves? And if not, uh, do you see him as a as a bench option or a rotational player, where do you see him slotting in for West Ham? But give me your thoughts on, uh, on the question first and then break a, break down your article for us here. So I actually, even with my article and uh, my love for Robert Snodgrass, I don't think he should be starting against Wolves. I, I think that I'd like to see a similar, a close of a lineup as we saw against Southampton or Arsenal before the break. I think that's probably our, our best squad. If you're going to throw four nows and, uh, for Niles and Bowen out on the wing, I think they bring the, what I want to see in the lineup. But I, uh, I guess my my article was more about the idea that we're talking about having a fully fit squad again, and everyone seems to be incredibly excited about you know Jack. Not everybody, but excited about Jack Wilshire, about Yarmolenko, and then there's also been discussion of you know Anderson or Lanzini, and I just really felt that Robert Snodgrass. I didn't see his name mentioned too often, and I really think he's going to be an important player down the stretch for. For a few reasons, I think, uh, you know, if we are in a situation and we need to bring on a substitute and we're chasing, uh, chasing a goal, you know, his set piece ability is probably top on the team. He's been known to have uh, 
to take a strike from outside the box or to make things happen. I think he could be, you know, just that type of impact player just for his personality and the way he plays. But I think if we need to close out a game or we want to, um, I think he'd be a great option off the bench just because you know you're going to get 100% effort from him. You know, you're going to get leadership. He's been around for a while. You know, he's not the most talented player on the on the pitch. He's not the fastest, but he he's the type of player that I think David Moyes is going to have to to trust down the stretch here in the final nine games. Very interesting. Uh, Lou, I want to come to you next here. Do you think Snodgrass is a starter for Wolves, and where do you slot him in as well? Yeah, like Aaron, I, I, I'd hope Moyes would go for a similar lineup as the prior couple of games as he possibly can. But if I were to argue that Snodgrass should start, I'd say it'd be because Wolves are generally a very hard team to break down. And uh, you never know, the game might be settled by a set piece or, you know, corner free kick from outside the box. And uh, like you just said, Snodgrass is the man for that if you would happen to be in that situation. So it could be a game of moments rather than, you know, scintillating football. And yeah, he could provide that moment of brilliance. And something I think that's important about Snodgrass too is he's been pretty consistent this season with popping up with important goals and, and stepping in in place of injured players or formation changes. Antonio has been all but committed to being a uh, a striker now under David Moyes. So um, he's he was our, our right mid and our right winger for some time here. So he And he's been great. Uh, he's returned more than we ever could really ask of him. But... Uh, but moving forward, I don't know exactly where I'd slot him in. Uh, but we may not even need him against Wolves, right, Henry? How did they How did they make out today? Um, I mean, Wolves, they lost to Nottingham Forest 2-0 today, which bodes well for us. I mean, Forest have been playing really well this season. They're batting for promotion once their season restarts. So it's not like an awful defeat like they've, if they've lost to someone close to the bottom of the championship. But still, for where Wolves are trying to get to... That's a big defeat for them. Um, but in terms of like whether I think Snodgrass should start or not, I probably agree with everyone else. I think, and I especially agree with um, Aaron. I mean, I was doing my predicted predicted lineup for the game against Wolves, and I was filling in the bench and remembered it's being extended to nine players, and also and I realised I had not put Snodgrass in until literally the last place. Um, so he very much was a forgotten man for me um, but he's 100% needs to be on the bench I mean I know I forgot about him but he's I think he's so crucial because he's very versatile he can play on the wing he can play in the midfield where he's sort of been converted to as a central midfielder I know you guys say he's not the slowest but I don't think he's not the quickest but I don't think he's the slowest and I think he's got enough pace in the middle of the park to just sort of show off his engine for the last half hour of a game. He's got lots of benefits with his set piece. He can finish. I mean, he's got five goals and five assists this season. So he's one of our like top creative players, really. Um, so really, he should be. On, he needs to be on the bench for what he can bring to the team. But I wouldn't start him over anyone particularly because I think the wings are pretty set on of Anderson and Bowen. And in the midfield, the midfield three will probably be Rice, Suchek and Fornals. Well, that's what i go with. So I wouldn't put him in the starting team, but 100% he needs to be on the bench because 
he's definitely the sort of player that can give you a very positive impact for the last however long you need of a game. Yeah, absolutely. And and when it comes to Wolves, I don't know if he'll be a starter, but being the person who gets to ask the questions here, I also get to uh, to, to come in at the end and swoop up. Uh, West Ham are playing Wolves and Spurs within three days of each other, and then uh, a week later are playing Chelsea. So there's going to be some squad rotation here with the with the players selected. So I do think we will see Snodgrass as a starter and a rotational player throughout the now to the end of the season. So it'll be interesting, uh, my favorite word that I always say, to see how it plays out. But for Wolves, I, I don't think we start with him there. We probably want to start uh, on the right foot here and try and get a, a win as soon as possible. But I'll click no here. 58.2% agree and say no. Um, but nonetheless, he is a very important player. Uh, and we're going to move on to another question here. And uh, I'm doing my best to sort of segue and link these questions together as best that I can. Uh, but, uh, and for that, sorry, this one will, will come to Nottingham Forest, the team that beat Wolves today. Uh, Tony Pearson, at Tony Pearson 2, our favorite contributor to Hammers Polls questions over there, uh, asked a question, uh, when was this? Uh, today, actually, recently, just saying uh, that according to the Mirror, Moyes will be eyeing a double raid on Nottingham Forest for Matty Cash and Joe Worrell for around £36 million. What are your thoughts on this? Would you prefer cash, Worrell, would you like both, or won't happen, no money? Uh, which is an interesting <laughs> option at the bottom there. Uh, but but Aaron, I'll come to you first on this one. We've talked about these players before, specifically Henry and myself, uh, and possibly may have created this rumor uh, inadvertently by saying these are players we would like to see. And specifically here, Joe Worrell is one that, that Henry had circled uh, as a potential target for us. So... Um, yeah, I want to see your thoughts, Aaron. Do you know who these players are? Matty Cash probably more than Worrell, but would you take one, both, or do you think realistically we're not getting either? I know uh, you guys are, you and Henry are particular fans of uh, of Matty Cash and of, uh, you've discussed Joe Worrell before. I'm not quite as familiar with him as you guys likely, or not, as you guys are. Um, I do... Uh, I have to connect it to the article that I wrote a couple of weeks ago about building a team out of the cha- out of the championship. Then I would say that's the type of uh, type of route that I would want to take. I, I can't give too much of an insight on the two players, but I do also wonder. You know, we're hearing all these stories about the club not having a particularly large amount of cash. So I sometimes when I see these uh, I see these articles, I'm a little uh, a little weary of that. But I mean, I, I do think that's the route that I would like to go to, to see the team built with young, hungry British players. So I'd have to say, I'd like to see both of them come aboard. Do you think it'll happen? No. <laughs> there it is, the realism. <laughs> Lou, what do you have to add here? Do you know anything about these two players? And uh, is it worth mixing up our, uh, our potential first team and some stars to fund a move for these players? Yeah, again, I'm not as clued up as uh, you two seem to be. I know you've talked about it previously. Uh, but I think it also depends on how uh, Forest do themselves for the rest of the season. If they you know, go up via the playoffs, then that will obviously make it infinitely uh, harder to get them on board. But if they stay down for another season, then that will give us the leverage uh, and leeway to swoop in and get them. But I think uh, out of the two, I'd say, you know, we've just spoke about uh, Ngaki. I think Cash would be a very good replacement. Um, And he'd probably slot into the starting role straight away ahead of Fredericks. So 
yeah, I'd be I'd be on board. I'm not sure how much uh, we're willing to spend on them, but yeah, I'd certainly be on board. Yeah, I, I myself, I'll jump in before Henry takes over here. I, I don't have anything else to really share about these two players. Worrell looks like a strong prospect. I think he's 21 years old. Uh, English, as, as you guys had both mentioned, and Cash is an exciting player. Can play the midfield as well as as a fullback position. So. Um, versatility for, for the for the fullback and also um, you know strong stout strength in a, in a really good defensive system a team that shut out Wolves today which Premier League teams have a hell of a, tar- a tough time doing so it shouldn't be uh, it shouldn't be glossed over there Henry do you have any any thoughts on these two do you think West Ham will actually make a move for them um, I'd love West Ham to make a move for them um, I think we know that from my previous views on when they've come up in conversation um, I think both of them would be incredibly sensible for us to get with the Ngakia situation, which, I mean, Louis just mentioned, I mentioned before about Cash being the replacement for Ngakia should he leave. And I agree with Lou, he'd sit right into the team ahead of Fredericks probably already. And I think Warrell will be an incredibly sensible purchase as well, really. I mean, Ogbon is 32. He's becoming quite injury prone, so much so that he might miss the restart. Um, so he could be a natural replacement for Ogbonna and even Balbuena. There's always rumours linking him away from the club. So we could definitely need to be in the market for a new centre-back. So these two know each other quite well. They both sort of play on that right side with Cash at the right back and Joe Worrell at the right centre-back. So they'll have the good connection there. They won't need to adapt as much um, if they were coming from two different clubs and didn't know each other. So I think that would definitely be a good string to have in the bow by the fact that they already have a connection. Um, I'm going to say I think it will happen because otherwise I'll be very disappointed. I think I, I think we're going to sell all the players that we need to sell and we're going to get those two and I'll be very happy about it because the right wing of Bowen and Matty Cash really excites me and Joe Worrell, who funny enough my girlfriend went to the same school as, um, I think he's a very solid defender. I've watched him a couple of times live and he seems he's very calm when he's got the ball at his feet, but is able, he's also plays like James Collins where he will get in the way of the ball. He will do what, that last ditch challenge very well. So I rate both of them really highly and I really, 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 really want West Ham to go for them because I think they're the exact players David Moyes wants the exact players West Ham fans love to see come into the team. So really, they can't go wrong by getting them unless they come and they completely fail. And then I'll look like I know absolutely nothing about football, which might be true. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm going to say we should go for them. And I'm going to say we do go for them. I'm going to be bold. <laughs> I, I like that prediction there. I, I fear it'll be at the at the cost of somebody like Felipe Anderson, who I think is so incredibly skilled that West Ham are, are really spoiled to have him right now. But um, we will see. Time will tell. And speaking of putting a bow on, I think you did a, a really, really solid job there, putting a bow on that discussion there, Henry. We're going to take one more break, and when we come back, we'll finish up with some more Hammers Pulls questions. All right, the final segment is upon us here, and we're going to start with another transfer link. Uh, this one is coming from uh, an all-too-often linked player. It is Arabechi Eze, Eberichi Eze, sorry. Uh, and uh, the uh, the price tag put on him is basically £20 million, but the idea of throwing Hugel in as a replacement to sort of lessen that would maybe lower it to 
um, 12 million or somewhere in that range. Uh, would you guys like West End to push for a player like Eze to, to come in and, and join the attack? And do you think that they could get a deal done for 10, to, let's call it 10 to 15 million plus Hugel? Aaron, I want to come to you first. What are your thoughts on getting him in? And do you think West Ham should be prioritizing that type of player? I think it really uh, depends, obviously, first and foremost, how much Queen's Park values uh, Hugel. You know, if you're going to only value him for a couple million and that's going to up his price, that might be difficult to get it done. Um, I do think he's uh, going back to what I had said previously about about Cash and Joe World, uh, the exact same type of player, young, hungry. I was actually reading about him uh, a little bit earlier just to kind of catch up on it. I haven't followed him too much. and. Prior to going to Queen's Park, he had been released by Arsenal, Fulham, Reading, and Millwall. So I, I kind of, as weird as it might sound, I kind of appreciate players like that who have, you know, they, they didn't get a straight shot to the top. They've had to undergo some, you know, some tough trials and tribulations. That kind of makes them a better player. I think that type of mentality it would translate pretty well to the Premier League. It's not a guy who's been kind of handed everything or seen not, nothing but success. He's a player who can you know, has overcome some things. And I think that's uh, the type of mentality that we want to be building a, a team full of. And Henry, I want to, I want to get, sorry, Lou, I'll come to you first here. Do you think Eze is someone who could slot into our starting lineup and someone that we should be prioritizing in the transfer window? He's a, a center attacking mid and can also play on the wing. So I, I want your thoughts on positional need here. Yeah, I'd like to think so. Um, in terms of depth, I think our attack is our striker. But in terms of the wingers and central attacking midfield positions, I think we're pretty well stocked up at the moment. You know, with the addition of Bowen and Dean Garner to come back. So I think it's slotting nicely, uh, and it certainly adds something perhaps a little bit different to what the rest of the others have got. He seems to uh, seems to have a lot of flair, but. Yes, the stats to back it up as well. I think he's got uh, 12 goals in the championship this season from that uh, central attacking position. Uh, so I think you said uh, that QPR value about 20 million. That's so, what was reported, yeah. Like, like, uh, like ever, it depends whether uh, the two Davids are willing to put their hands uh, in the pockets and invest in the future, which by all reports uh, they may be willing to do uh, and back moves in the market. Uh, so yeah, I'd like I'd like to sign Eze and uh, I think he definitely has the talent to uh, and drive uh, based on what Aaron just said to uh, make the move up. Henry, we'll come to you last year and I want your thoughts and I want to direct them in a different way. Um, first of all, yes or no to, to Eze signing with West Ham and do you think there's a spot for him on this team as well as Grady D and Ghana, who for all intents and purposes is is destined to return uh, to West Ham for next season. Um, I, def I, I would definitely make a move for Eze. I think he's a brilliant player, as Lou said. He's got 12 goals. He's also got eight assists um, in his only 37 appearances. So I think he's definitely a player that is capable of a lot of um, productivity, which I think we could need especially a bit more consistent from some of our players. I mean, Anderson's only got five goal contributions. Fornau's got seven or eight. Haller's struggled for consistently hitting the back of the net. So I definitely would bring Eze in. I think he could be a great player for us. I think there is a place for him in the team with Dean Garner because 
Mikel Antonio is 30 plus now and he's becoming more and more injury prone so he could start to be phased out. Yarmolenko is being linked away of a move. I know his agent said he's happy at the club but he's injury prone so his spot becomes questionable. Lanzini might be on his way out because he's not returning to form so he's a player we could potentially see go. So if you think of Antonio Yarmolenko and Lanzini leaving that probably weighs uh, that probably adds up to about over £200,000 a week in wage. And uh, you could argue that Eberichi Eze can play in all of their positions. So you're replacing the three players with one who this season has provided far more than the three of them combined. <laughs> so from that position, it sort of seems a deal too good to miss out on, really. Um, so, But I think that would be a very sensible move because you'll be losing two people that are coming towards the end of their careers and Lanzini who's desperately out of form and is recovering from a massive injury himself with a young English player who's got all the potential in the world to be like James Madison, Raheem Sterling, those sort of level of players that West Ham have missed out on at the past. So definitely think there's a place for him in the team and it would be a very sensible move to get him. I just did some like calculations with my maths of the 36 million for Joe Royal and Matty Cash and Eze. If it was the 12 million Hugo, so that would take us to about 48 million expenditure on just those three players, maybe around 50 million, depending on the value of Hugo. That's not a lot for us to spend in the transfer window, especially compared to recent windows. I know the next one will be taking a hit because of the whole pandemic. But we should be shifting players out. We'll be making a lot back in wages once Zabaleta and Carlos Sanchez has left. So it becomes to see a, seem a lot more feasible when you think like if we were to sell Yarmolenko, Wilshire was to go, Lanzini was to go, all these players all of a sudden going away and it takes away from a massive wage bill that we could afford to do it and make it feasible for the club. And if you brought those three players in, including Eze... The squad looks really good. It looks really young. And there's a lot of potential in it, especially if you were able to keep Diop and Anderson. Then I feel that could be the echelon to the club moving up the league towards where we've been promised we're going to be for the last 10 years since they took over the club. Yeah, and finally cashing in on, on you know, making West Ham a, a really strong English-based team with Declan Rice following up. Uh, Mark Noble in the midfield, possibly even center back, uh, as we'll get to in my next question here. It'd be nice to see even more commitment going to that. And nothing against international players, but um, you do want to see like a West Ham team have that strong core following in the footsteps of you know some legendary West Ham players in the past there. Uh, and, and guys, I want to get your thoughts on this potential question. It's not a potential question, it's an actual question, but the potential fallout from uh, the topic of this question, and it's been reported by Football.London that West Ham could start next week without uh, Ogbonna in the lineup for their kickoff match against Wolves, uh, as he has a knee injury that he's been uh, trying to rehab from since the introduction of contact training last week. Uh, who starts in his place, and whereabouts can we, do we think, um, where, whereabouts do we think 
West Ham will, will, will fall to or if they'll fall without Ogbonna in the lineup here. Aaron, I, I do want to come to you first here. Uh, do you think it's going to be Balboa and Cardoso, Rice, uh, or do you think maybe uh, is it Alessia is the other player as well? Uh, Akinola is the center back that West Ham just signed to another year, 21-year-old center back in the in the under-23. So who starts in his place, and do you think West Ham will, will really feel the loss of Ogbonna if he's not there against Wolves? I think it has to be Balbuena. We've, you know, it seems like it's been a really long time since we've we've seen him do it. But we do. I mean, last year Balbuena and uh, Diop were our number one pairing. I think you have to have faith that that's going to be the situation again. Um, and I, I think if that doesn't work out or he can't handle it, I, as much as I would hate to lose Declan Rice in midfield, I think it, there's so much on the line right now that might be a situation where. You have to to have to drop him back there to to try to shore things up rather than going to one of the untried youngsters. I mean, obviously you want Declan to be in his ideal position and be touching the ball as much as possible. But if it if it comes to a choice between him and Cardo, so I, I think he would be the person that I would want back there next. But hopefully Balbuena and Diop can kind of recapture some of the magic that they uh, they had from last season. Yeah, I think the parachute gets pulled pretty quickly if. Uh if Balbuena doesn't step up there. Also, there's a video, a training video. Declan Rice absolutely steamrolls Cardoso for the ball and uh, and chips it on goal there. So uh, I, I don't know if that's maybe just a, a little bit of foresight into what's going to happen there, but we will see. Lou, what do you got here on, on Ogbonna missing out? Uh, is that potentially the biggest loss for West Ham, West Ham from their starting 11? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the majority of West Ham fans are in agreement that Ogbonna is certainly the player of the season so far, or hammer of the year so far. So, of course, it'll be a loss, but I'm still, uh, as much as I'm still having flashbacks and nightmares of Balbuena's performance against West Brom in the FA Cup, where he was just absolutely dreadful, I think, realistically, he'll be the man to step in. And we know we, realistically, and we know he isn't as bad as he showed that day and on several other occasions this season. Uh, yeah, I, I also kind of like the idea of Rice dropping back because we know he would do a excellent job, but I think he's just cr- too crucial to the midfield, uh, anchoring that midfield, that we just can't afford to let him go the, that position. And it's, it's just not the situation to be giving play, young players the debuts. We've got nine games to go. We're in a relegation battle. And uh, our Premier League status is on the line. So let's just hope Balbuena can somehow return to the form of the previous season. And uh, hopefully he can fill in the Diop and do a good job. Yeah, because... We, we really need to have Rice on the pitch there, especially alongside Suchek for, for a shutdown pair there. And also Henry's reputation is on the line if Balbuena cannot step up. Henry, what do you think? I assume you have Balbuena pegged as the uh, the starter if Ogbon is out, but uh, do you think Rice could, could push him out of the lineup there? Um, yeah, I've got Balbuena as coming in to replace Ogbonna. I think with this extra rest he's been able to get during the lockdown... It should have given him a sort of full recovery after the Copa America, which I think is the reason why his form dropped so much at the start of the season. But I think 
I do agree. I think Rice, his future position could be centre-back. And I think probably the most solid back four we could have would be Rice and Diop over Balbuena. But I agree. I think Rice is far too crucial in the midfield to drop him out. I think the only way you could would be if you knew you were able to rely on Jack Wilshire for the next nine games and you'd have Suchek at the base of the midfield as the holding guy. Rice, uh, not Rice, he's the one leaving. Wilshire <laughs> in, in between and then Fornals as the more attacking midfielder. I think that would be the only way to push Rice back. But you can't rely on Jack Wilshire to be fully fit for the nine games. So... I think it, would ha- it has to be Balbuena that comes in to start. I agree with Lou. I don't think it's the right time to give some of the youngsters their debuts in at this sort of time of the season, especially at centre-back. It's a position that you have to be so careful with. That's why Declan didn't make his debut at centre-back and look how good he is now. But he was trusted to make his debut at holding midfield where he knew he had the cover from the defenders giving someone a debut at centre-back especially at this time is an incredibly risky thing to do and I think that's why Balbrainer will get the nod ahead of the youngsters such as Cardozo and Akinola and Alesse I thought Declan Rice did make his debut as a centre-back did he not I thought uh, it was mid against Burnley it was against Burnley here I may, I could be completely off base here but but uh, I'll take your word for it because you have more confidence maybe, than I do or maybe it was in a back five and there was two more centre backs I, I know it was he definitely with, uh, go ahead Aaron he def- yeah he definitely uh, I remember him getting yanked off at halftime against Newcastle at the start of the 17-18 season and he was playing like a defensive midfielder that match but I don't remember he kind of came on against Burnley. It was in like the 90th minute or like the 89th minute or something like that. I don't know what position he was at then. Interesting. Yeah. You know what? Either way, I think without Ogbonna, there's going to be, well, we all kind of agree. There's going to be a big drop off. If they're playing a 4-4-2, maybe you see Noble come in beside Suchek and, and Rice drop back. But I think the first opportunity has to be given to Balbuena. He's there for a reason and he's there to, you know, for that depth option. But Cardoso has been apparently great in the, the, the later stages of the under-23 season. I think he was stepping up more uh, more comfortably in the attack on set pieces because uh, he's a, I think he's a big boy. So uh, I think he, he's growing with that confidence in England now. And remember, he was signed to challenge for a first-team position, even though we haven't seen him at all. Um, but uh, but for, for us here at Green Street Hammers, we want to just put a cap on this episode here, save some more of these questions for our next episode which will come before West Ham's match against Wolves where we will do a full breakdown and preview on that plus uh, a breakdown if there is a, a, a friendly against Palace or anyone else along the way um, but uh, we do want to say thank you guys for listening and until next week come on you irons
Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.